0: Engine running. Lift off. We have a lift off.
1: Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this program? I have to be honest with you. Today's a little bit of a slow news day, and I'm tired of already talking about Iowa and New Hampshire and, and the election, and I suspect all of you are tired of it as well. And I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to talk about this hour. I had a couple ideas. I got a got a bunch of stuff of the stack of stuff and Just kind of struggled to rearrange it, and then God gifted me with some of the greatest audio to play on this program. (laughs) All right. I got to play this for you. This is a... Wait, where did it go? Oh, I closed it out by accident. There we go. So this is a reporter. This is from Barstool uh, Sports put this up. Uh, A reporter is asking uh, Todd Bowles of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers how they are preparing to deal with the weather for the football game in Detroit this weekend. So the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have to play the Detroit Lions. And so this is the exchange you need to hear. Of course, now it goes flaky on me. As I fire up the exchange from non-pre-recorded audio, oh come on here! Let's play this again. Here we go. Towards, towards, uh, de- uh, well, that's right.
2: Yeah. games, even for the most prepared teams, uh, today it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we <coughs> the to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure but
0: perform in those kind of frigid temperatures? Should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? In they got a dome. I don't. Um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for twenty seconds, getting off the bus, going under the thing. So we'll be okay.
1: <laughs> the the long setup to this question, from the from this reporter. Notice, I'm not saying female reporter It's a is a is a woman, but just just this reporter. Could happen to anybody. Reporter asked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach, it's 13 degrees today in Detroit. It's going to be awful this weekend. What are you doing to acclimate and prepare your players for playing in Detroit in these sorts of temperatures? And the coach for the Buccaneers says, nothing. (laughs) Playing in a dome. (laughs) We'll be outside for about 20 seconds. Going under the awning, getting inside. We'll be fine. They've played inside in Detroit for 50 years. Now, I don't want to just pick on this one reporter for this, but you, you know, there's there's always been this hubbub about bringing women into sports and trying to balance it, and and you know, women watch sports too, and, and we should balance. It. You know who one of the best is of the business, and it, it I, I'm 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 happy but also sad for her, Maria Taylor, uh, y'all. Sunday night, NBC's Sunday night football is the best produced, best done, best commentated upon football game in America. If you want to learn football, listen to Chris Collinsworth on Sunday nights. He is the best in the business. Hands down, he's better than Tony Romo. He's better than um, he, he's better than, than any of them. Troy Aikman, the, the he is uh, Chris Collinsworth is more informed, has a sharper eye, uh, better. And Maria Taylor, who does both the pregame show and in comments during the halftime, is just sharp. So she's out on, on maternity leave. She, she and her husband having a baby, and, and they gave her this big send-off. And, and I just it, it was upsetting as someone who likes Sunday night football because she's one of the best. She's fantastic. You can tell she's not just there because she's some diversity place. She gets the game. She knows the She loves the game. And I think about this, and it's so frustrating because, look, I I, I understand the concerns that you need a network. Look, look at the people who go to Harvard and Yale because they want to work on Wall Street, and so they, they join societies, the Skull and Bones Society, for example, at Yale. It's so people open the door for them in the future. And there are a lot of people who don't have that. Maria Taylor, she went to the University of Georgia. She earned her stripes there as a sports reporter and was able to get doors open. But I bet it wasn't easy for her because she went to the University of Georgia. She's black female, went to the University of Georgia. And she, gets, she loves the game. You can tell. Uh, her commentary is fantastic. Her and Tarico and, and Chris Collinsworth, I could listen to them talk about life. It's such a well-produced Show And, and man, Collinsworth Insights are are just the best of the game. But then I think it's unquestionably you do get people in positions who check diversity boxes who don't have that level of talent. They're just there because of who they know or or who they are. And and that's the one that gets me because, you know, so just I'll make it personal for you a little bit. Um, I live in middle Georgia. Went to Mercer University, and I don't have a strong network. Um, I was—I I, didn't—I wouldn't join a fraternity. Kept to myself. Um, there, there were, it was hard to get doors open for me, even to find a job uh, in law. And then just providentially, l- luck—however you want to say it—I believe God's got a plan for all of us, and, and I happen to fall into a uh, position at CNN. And then got the attention of Roger rails at Fox, who hired me away from CNN to Fox. Along the way, fell into radio totally by accident. If you all haven't heard the story, a local guy, local radio show host got arrested in a crack house, quite literally. And uh, I, because I was on CNN at the time, they asked if I wanted to do it. Cox Media Group thought it was my show, reached out to multiple different people who I know who vouched for me, even though I wasn't a radio guy. They thought I could do it. And I got a job, longest job I've ever had now. I didn't have networking ends, and it kills me all the time. People come to me and say, how do I get a job in radio? It's like, I have no idea. Find someone who's a drug addict and and uh, be sure to stand by when they fall from grace. I don't know. My buddy, Neil Bortz, who was on radio, he fell into radio because, because well, when he was a kid, he heard a DJ use the F word on the radio and pedaled his bicycle down to the radio station and got the guy's job and then later became a talk show host because a local talk show host in Atlanta committed suicide Bort showed up that day left court he was a lawyer left court went straight to the station to apply for that guy's job while the, they were still the body was still warm got his job and became a radio show host. I I, I don't know how to fall in places. I, I don't have networks of people who open doors.'m I'm, I'm, I'm bad about that I, and I'm not a I'm not a transactional person like that. and I get the concerns of we do want more people who look like America in the jobs. And and there are people who they they don't have networks because of the schools they went to or their backgrounds and we should be more accommodated. I I totally get it. I just tend to disagree with it over time because what has happened is you're not necessarily getting the best and brightest. You're picking people based on their exterior appearance and not their mind or heart. There was the CEO of a... um, One of the the, one of the airlines was saying they wanted less white men in the cockpit. One of the joint chiefs says his goal is to have less white generals in the military. Why don't you just go for the best? Why don't you go for the best? Because what you're doing is you're suggesting that you're willing to find some less qualified person. This is why most Americans, overwhelmingly most Americans, black, white, Hispanic, and Asian, oppose affirmative action. The cultural institutions of the day, the media elite of the day, the academic institutions of the day, the Fortune 500, the Democratic Party, they're all out of touch with the American people. Overwhelmingly, 52% of blacks and then higher for every other racial group, Asians, Hispanics, whites. All of them, a majority of black Americans are opposed to affirmative action. And can you blame them? Because you get a job because you're competent and everyone looks at you and says, are you here because you're good or are you here because you're black? It's true. People, you know people do that, and they know people do that too. Why are you here? Look at kids getting into college. Are you here because you're academically gifted or are you here because they wanted diversity? Affirmative action applies a subtle stigma on people And a majority of all racial groups get that, and that's why they're opposed to it. It does not boost confidence in the aviation industry at a time where Boeing's falling apart. And look at all the people rushing out to say it's DEI at at Boeing. Uh, You know, uh, there are people out there who make money by fanning the flames of DEI. They have a vested interest in blaming it on DEI. They trotted out. I saw some of them trotting out the other day this, this grid of, look, Boeing, has this whole guide on DEI at Boeing, clearly this door fell off because of DEI. No, you idiots. Do you know why the Boeing door fell off the plane? Because in 2001, Boeing decided to save money after they bought McDonnell Douglas and the merger didn't go well, and they started outsourcing everything. They started outsourcing their suppliers. They started outsourcing their manufacturing chain. They even started outsourcing their testers to India because they needed to save money. It had nothing to do with DEI. It had everything to do with the bottom line because they were more worried about shareholder reduction. Return than they were the safety of passengers that's not DEI that's just stupidity by pinching pennies penny wise pound foolish but oh my gosh it's DEI it's got to be DEI because somebody I listened to on Twitter said it was DEI and he saw that Boeing has a DEI initiative so it must be DEI think for yourselves people that isn't to say DEI isn't a problem it is and when you have airline chiefs saying they want less white men in the cockpit, that's a big red flag that you're not actually prioritizing competence. Do you know why there are so many white pilots? The Air Force. A lot of white fighter pilots in the Air Force. Growing number of non-white fighter pilots. And guess what? They get jobs in the aviation industry too. But do you want a guy who's been a pilot in the Air Force or do you want some diversity pick from the local college? What, who, who do you want flying your plane? And that's why DEI is so bad. In addition to it stigmatizing the legitimately competent people who don't have to be white by suggesting that maybe they got their job not because of their competence, because of their skin color, it also incentivizes a whole bunch of companies out there doing the same thing. Incentivizing diversity hires as opposed to competence. I get the underlying concern. I really do. People don't have networks that, because of the college they went to, because of where they're from, because of their background. But that doesn't just apply to black people, Hispanic people, women. It applies to a lot of white guys too. I, I honestly believe it. It applied to me. I've been very fortunate, but I, I knew none of these people had fell into my lap by virtue of an accident. I, I don't know the people in the network. And frankly, as I've grown my radio show in syndication – Oh, yeah, seeing, seeing other people who, frankly, I don't think they're as good at me at the job, but they know the right people, They, they the doors get open for them. Despite the rating success and everything else, it, a lot of it is depending on who you know. And I live in middle Georgia. That has deprived me to some degree of the networking opportunities, but it's been a choice. It's been great to raise my family here as opposed to Washington or New York. But, you know, it is by my sweat and hard work raw, God-given talent that I'm here and that you're probably where you are and that so many of these people are where they are. And it is a shame that some of them will be stigmatized because they're not white and people presume it's DEI or affirmative action that got on their highway and really it's their talent. But at the same time, when you do have companies elevating DEI and affirmative action in subtle ways to ensure it's not the best person who gets the job, but the person with the right skin color or the right gender who gets the job. Of course you're going to have a backlash in the public, but not only that, of course you're going to have major screw-ups in your company when you've chosen not to hire the brightest person, you've chosen to hire the diversity pick, and all of us suffer from the fallout when you hire the dumb person who happens to be the right skin color as opposed to the bright person who's the wrong skin color. Every single one of us suffer through the fallout. It might not be the door falling off the Boeing jet that was to blame for it, but When you're putting the less talented people in the cockpit one day, and you know the bad part of it? When the plane flies in to the mountain because the pilot couldn't read the map because she wasn't gonna ask for directions? They're not gonna make any changes, they're just gonna double down more. That's how DEI operates. Too many people make too much money off of it to change. He's got the courage to tell you the actual
0: truth is popular. It's the Eric Erickson Show.
1: Want to be on the show?
0: Come on, be on the show. Call Eric now at
1: 877-973-7425. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here across the nation. Let me go to the phones here. Glenn's been waiting. Welcome to the show. Glenn, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing this afternoon? great what's going on let's do a circle back
0: jen zaki for a minute i heard you talking about the evs and global warming and you know i just want to go back a little bit of history i remember when it was global cooling we're going to freeze to death and i remember all the coastal cities yeah all the coastal cities would be underwater the left is actually brilliant they went to global warming of course that was crazy but they never can be wrong. When they call it climate change, they're, they're right every hour. If you look mm-hmm. at Georgia today, the temperature when I got it was 11 o'clock. It's 34 degrees now. The climate has changed in Georgia. What my question is, is on these EV batteries, from what I did a little reading, that it does more harm to the environment than it does me driving my gas guzzler for five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with mining, disposable electric batteries, and w- the point I'm getting at was there a study that was completed that showed during COVID, you know, for a year and a half nobody drove, everybody stayed at home, and I, I and and I know the left's going to say everybody did it. the majority of the people stayed home, people went to the parks, but there was no one going to work. Was there a study completed? to show that year and a half of it really affected the atmosphere and Uh, climate change or global warming the way uh, they said.
1: There were were some studies that showed, for example, uh, in Venice when people were shut inside, the canals cleared. You could see the bottom, uh, the no smog in Los Angeles, things like that. Um, There were some benefits to everybody staying inside, kind of like, um, for example – in 2001, when global aviation was shut down, or at least aviation over North America was shut down, after the 9-11 attacks, uh, there, there was a, a measurable drop in temperatures from planes not being in the air. So, uh, yeah, but um, it's true at the same time, um, like, like you said, we can't give up life for these people, which is actually what they want us to do, um, the extremes of the left and they're rebranding all the time. Now... I got to move on. I got a great guest coming up. You're going to want to hear from on this particular issue. Um, But first, I got to tell you about Vision Computers. They want to take care of your computer needs for your home, for your office, for your family, for your staff. Uh, They build you laptops, desktops, PCs, and then they become your service department. Y'all think about this. Um, You're you don't want to deal with your kid's computer and have to figure stuff out for your kid. Vision Computers gives you a phone number, and 15 seconds or less, you get the answer of what you got to do with your computer. They'll even help you with your printer and your email. If you're a company, you, you business owner, do you really want to pay the massive salary to the in-house IT guy? Do you want to have to be the in-house IT guy? I bet you don't. You want to run your business. Vision can take over for you, so you buy your computers from Vision and then they'll be your in-house department answering all your employees' questions on their Computers. And by the way, if you didn't buy your computers from Vision for your company for a small annual fee, they'll still do it for you. Um, they get PCs. They get computers. They want to keep you online. VisionComputers.com, 404-Compute, 404-Compute. Call them and tell them Eric sent you, 404-Compute. About the only time we would get a beat down in our house was from 12 to 12.15 12, p.m. weekdays. And on Saturdays, because there was a guy named Paul Harvey, most of you've heard of, who delivered the newscast, and my father insisted on listening to Paul Harvey. In fact, the way we found Rush Limbaugh, when we were on my college trip and looking at colleges, we were in, driving through rural Alabama on our way over to what I wound up going to Mercer and Macon, and uh, it was it was about twelve o'clock. My dad needed to find Paul Harvey on the radio, and. Searching around, and we stumbled. and couldn't find Paul Harvey, but we found some guy named Rush Limbaugh and, and been listening to him ever since. But Paul Harvey, I kind of like to do advertising the way Paul Harvey did You really believed he believed in the products. And one of the products he believed in was, my gosh, the Renai Tankless Water Heater. And I said when I grew up, built my house, I was going to get one of these Renai Water Heaters, so I never ran out of hot water. Having two older sisters, we ran out of hot water. And now having a kid with long hair who takes long showers, you run out of hot water. Well, guess what? Finally, got the Renai water heater, and we do not run out of hot water until I forgot to fill up the propane, take a while back, but that's another story. But nonetheless, these things are fantastic. They are fantastic. They are 100% made in the United States of America, and you will not be surprised that a 100 year old company with water tanks made in the United States that are highly efficient would be the target of the Biden administration for, well, putting them out of business, basically. Because, gosh, I mean, why wouldn't you want to do something like that to a 100-year-old company that makes super-efficient water heaters in the United States? Joining me to discuss it is a man I'm a fan of, Frank Windsor, the president of Renai. Welcome. How are you? Great, Eric. How are you? Thanks for having me today. Okay. First of all, I got to tell you, that this, this water heater, um, <laughs> it, it's my – so my 18-year-old, I don't think she's had a real haircut since she was 12. She, she gets it trimmed she has a massive pile of hair and my son is growing this monstrosity on top of his head and they both now take these showers and we were completely running out of hot water. We've got two water heaters under our house running out of hot water. You guys put in the tankless water heater. We have not run out of hot water since and our power bill has gone down by about 200 bucks a month.
2: Yeah, it's it's amazing, Eric. I'm a Robin and I are, have six daughters, so I've lived your lived your challenge over the years. And the Renai tankless water heater, when installed, provides endless hot water, only makes hot water when you need it, lasts twice as long as a tank. And the water heater that you have in your house is actually manufactured in our brand-new factory that we opened up a year and a half ago in Griffin, Georgia, where we've got over 200 team members making those tankless water heaters today.
1: Gosh, I, I mean, I, I, I knew you guys had been around. I didn't realize you'd been around as long or that uh, that they're made in the U.S. And, and so I know we first connected when the, Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary, announced these regulations on water heaters. And, I mean, again, they, they want to do it to save the planet, global warming, emissions and stuff. My electric bill dropped significantly. And yet, for some reason, it seems like they don't think the tankless water heaters are efficient enough. Well, I think
2: the big, the big thing that we see on water heaters, Eric, right now is the fact that they're trying to change the way people get hot water. So on the electric side, they're moving to electric heat pump, which is three times more efficient, but it's three times more expensive for the consumer. And then on the gas side, they're trying to eliminate non-condensing tankless water heaters and having the consumer go down to a less efficient tank that lasts half as long as the tankless unit. And when it fails over time, it floods your basement or forcing them to go up to a more efficient, a uh, condensing tankless water heater. So the big issue here really right now is no different than what we saw with uh, stoves where the government is getting involved in areas that they shouldn't, trying to ban technologies and preventing the fact that the consumer making their choice on what's the best way to provide hot water for their home.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned the, the tank water heaters that flood your base. We actually, we, we had that problem at our house. Um, Ours, we we started seeing, we've, we've got the the, big crawl You can stand up underneath the house and it's lined and stuff, but we started seeing water, like, there must sure. be a leak or something, and I went under there, and there's like a foot of water from that, that water heater that, that had busted yeah. before we switched to the Rinnai. And, and that's the sort of stuff, it, it it drives up bills, and they don't last as long as, I mean, you run into this, I know, everybody does. The the appliances and stuff you buy today tend not to last as long as the stuff you bought 20 years ago because of all these standards the government's imposing.
2: Absolutely, and a tankless water heater will last twice as long as a tank. It's one-third the size of the tank. So once it fails and goes to the landfill, it's taking up less space. So by far, tankless technology is the best gas hot water solution in our country today. So we've been working with the Department of Energy. We've been working with our local congressmen and and senators. And we've been talking with uh, Warnock and we've been talking to Senator Ostoff's offices. And really what we need at this point is we need their help in stepping in and talking to the uh, uh, Grand Home and talking to the White House about changing the direction. Their decision in this water uh, heating uh, strategy, eliminating this segment of tankless water heaters, only will provide 1% of the savings in the overall ruling, but it's going to basically dramatically change our factory in Griffin, Georgia, and have a dramatic impact, impact on those team members working at the factory. It just,
1: uh, the. Uh... Efficiency for the sake of efficiency, even when it's only 1%, just it doesn't seem to make sound business to sense, let alone bureaucratic sense, which I guess is why they're going with it, because it doesn't make sense. But now, let, let me talk to you about Renai for just a moment here, because sure. you guys, you all really have invested in, like, American manufacturing for these water heaters. I mean, I, I, Griffin, I've got a buddy of mine who works for Caterpillar and Griffin, and mm-hmm. it's becoming this in, industrial base. and. You guys over a hundred years old, and you got like real made in America. When you say made in America, it really is. Absolutely.
2: I mean, we this year Vernai America is actually celebrating fifty years in the United States. So that's a huge milestone for our company. But about five years ago, we made the decision, and we heard uh, we heard the administration, the government, saying, "Hey, let's bring manufacturing to the United States." Our leadership heard that, stepped up to the challenge, and we bought 60 acres of land in Griffin, Georgia. We had great support from the governor of Georgia at the time, Governor Deal, along with the local uh, team in uh, in Spalding County. And we bought the land and we spent $70 million building a 350,000-square-foot manufacturing and distribution center where today we've got hundreds of people being employed. And really, it's an amazing testament to U.S. manufacturing. When we bring contractors from around the country, to see, we're not tankless water heaters being made in Griffin, Georgia, it just blows them away. So it's been a, a big investment from our company, and it's really disappointing to see the decision that the Department of Energy is making right now to impact that manufacturing facility and the products that we provide.
1: So now let, let's transition here because the Supreme Court did argue the Looper Bright case today, which is over the Chevron standard I mentioned it on, on the show yesterday. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, down in, in New Orleans, and, and I, I know you're you're the president of Renai, you're, you're, you're not the law professor here, but they enjoined the Biden administration from regulations over dishwashers because of the efficiency there. And now you've got this case in the Supreme Court where the argument is essentially that the Energy Department doesn't, and in this case, the Commerce Department, doesn't actually have the power to issue a lot of the regulations in part. Because Congress has said in in the regulatory space that you've got to get real efficiencies to pass these regulations. So you you mentioned it's a 1% efficiency rate. It would drive up costs. It would be 1% efficiency rate. I I explained to people yesterday this Looper Bright decision. But, I mean, this really does have these regulatory impacts have major impact on your business and everyone else out there, the washing machine manufacturers, the, the car manufacturers and the like when these government agencies just acquire this much power for themselves without any standards of how much efficiency do you need to try to wring out of something?
2: Yeah, you know, Eric, I would send you to the the real case to watch right now is in California, where the city of Berkeley got sued by the California Restaurant Association uh, because they tried to ban gas hookups in Berkeley. And that's been in the court system. And the Ninth Circuit just ruled in favor of the Restaurant Association, preventing that banning from taking place. We also have lawsuits that have just been recently filed in the state of New York uh, when it comes to banning gas and also in New York City. So we're seeing it play out in the courts right now, really what we're looking for. and we're not, We have a, a strategy to be you know, decarbonization by a uh, 2050 as a company call-out. All we're asking as an industry is let's take 10 to 15 years to work through this instead of trying to do it in a weekend. And we're seeing the ramifications just in California alone with the electrification push, you know, the same day that they came out and said they were gonna require all cars to be electric by 2035, they came on and said, hey, by the way, don't charge your cars this afternoon because we don't have enough electricity. So that's yeah. that's really the craziest, craziness that we're working through in the industry. And we're really relying on the courts to step in and make the right decisions. So The consumer in the U.S. gets protected here.
1: And it's just it's crazy to me that you're having to rely on the courts to not just protect the business and the jobs and the industry and the consumers, but to protect you from the government.
2: Yeah, it's it's unreal. I mean, in states like California, uh, New York and Massachusetts, you're seeing uh, very, very aggressive pushes towards decarbonization. We are seeing today we have actually 28 states across the United States that have voted It says you can't ban an energy source. So you can offer electric and gas and you can't ban it. And that's what we're looking for. Again, our goal is let the consumer make the choice on what's the best solution for them and then let the manufacturers work on the efficiency story that provides the customer with the best efficiency at the best cost and serves their needs. That's really what we're trying to drive for as an industry.
1: Seems like common sense. Listen, Frank, it's great to talk to you. I appreciate you stopping by. You got it, Eric. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Frank Windsor, the president of Renei. Y'all, I, I, I mentioned to you, Looper Bright, that, that's what this is about. This You've got this manufacturing facility. It is a 100% U.S.-based manufacturing of highly efficient water heaters that the Department of Energy wants to get rid of because they think they can get 1% more efficient water heaters. The Looper-Bright case was argued in the Supreme Court today. The the Department of Energy is using the Chevron doctrine to say that uh, we get to decide what the law means, not the courts. And we've decided that 1% efficiency increase is actually going to give environmental benefit and save natural gas and, and propane in the country. Therefore, we're going to impose it on these companies. Never mind that it's a massive burden on the companies, and it costs jobs around the country to do. It's it's insane. You've got this facility is up the road from me in Griffin, Georgia. Uh, they employ a lot of people directly impacted, but it's not just them. It is, as Frank mentioned, the, the gas hookups, the, the gas stoves, the gas water heaters, the the uh, gas appliances, the dishwashers. All of this is at stake in the Supreme Court case today, and it sounded like from oral arguments that there was great skepticism uh, from even the chief justice on maintaining a doctrine, which he points out. He pointed out in oral arguments they haven't cited the Chevron Doctrine in years, so haven't they de facto already gotten rid of it? Um, That will constrain Jennifer Granholm from coming for your dishwasher and coming for your uh, water heater and coming for your— Uh, uh, clothes washer and dryer, and also your car and those standards. And if they go the other way, it's not just the fishermen on Looper Bright, the boat. Uh, By the way, funny thing, you know, so the whole Looper Bright case is they're putting uh, observers on boats to make sure that they're not overfished, and it came out in court today that many of these observers actually aren't from, like, fishing communities, they're from landlocked communities, and they get so seasick on the boats that they never come out to see whether or not the fishermen are actually fishing because they're in, in their compartment puking. That actually came out today in court. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, thanks to Frank for coming on because this it doesn't just affect jobs in, in my state of Georgia, um, but it, it affects all of us. Uh, This Department of Energy overreach trying to regulate all of these appliances. And that's why this case at the Supreme Court today was so important, which is why the left is going nuts today, claiming that there's some sort of corruption at the the court uh, for even daring to hear this case. It's truly bizarre. The Biden administration is willing to wipe out an American industry of American jobs and American manufacturing, all for a 1% efficiency gain in water heaters. Well
0: connected and well It's
1: Eric Erickson, live every weekday. Join Eric's army of activists. Text ARMY to 33777 now. Welcome. Eric Erickson here. You can text DATA to 33777. You can order my book. I mentioned this story. uh, Boy, uh, before Christmas, I mentioned this story. And there's now another story in the Wall Street Journal uh, China's population decline is accelerating as women in China have refused to have more kids. The number of newborns has gone into free fall over the last several years. Officials, official figures released Wednesday showed that China had fewer than half the number of births in 2023 than the country did in 2016. That's why the update to the story is out. The new figures just came out uh yesterday well yesterday our time it was today and Wednesday in China but it's when it's Wednesday in China it's Tuesday in the United States still the way the world works so these numbers came out and half the birth, fewer than half the births in 2023 compared to 2016 after China abolished the one child policy the latest numbers point to a fertility rate that is close to 1 a level considered to be non-replenishable by many demographers. My goodness. Population freefall. All right, let's go to the phones here. Last call of the day. Gerald, welcome to the program. How are you?
3: Good. How are you? It's Gerard. I appreciate it. Gerard, welcome. Thank you. Big, big, big fan. You're a major voice in my household as far as conservative values. One thing I wanted to just uh, kind of point out, when you talk about DEI, I'm African-American, definitely understand some of the tension on both sides is when we talk about hiring the best when we when we when we you make an inference that or it can be inferred that the best may not be a person of color when we say that and we're promoting obviously the majority community now to your point many of us do not necessarily believe in affirmative action and those type of things we just want a shot and i think how do you how do you balance the tension of keeping the playing field even And keeping everyone accountable so that you know you absolutely have made the best decision because you looked at the best across the board.
1: Yeah, look, I think that's a good point. And also, like, I am also mindful because of the the history of this country that uh, a lot of uh, people in the black community didn't have the networking uh, that people in the white community did through college resources and things like that. Uh, And so you do want to be broad and cast a wide net to try to find the best people. Uh, and I think we, everybody should be mindful of that. It's just history. At the same time, uh, trying to find someone to place in a job not because of their skill set but because of the demography, uh, I, I think, raises all sorts of doubts in people's minds, including the minds of, of colleagues of that person. Or, are you here because of, of who you are or, or are you here because of what you can do? And, and it just that's an unfair stigma as well, I think, to so many people.
3: Yeah. And, and no doubt. It's, it's unfortunate. I mean, I think it's frustrating because I think certain voices within the African-American community are promoted that for others are an embarrassment. If I, and I don't know my I'm saying that over the airwaves. And so so it is a, a major dilemma. But I think just that for the, the listenership and we need to get your podcast, we need to get your book, we need to expand your voice. And I just want to say that as a as an advocate <laughs> and a fan. Um but but we do have to be very discerning and make yes. sure that we're not dismissing based on some of the perversion of the DEI agenda yep. that there's not purity in the DEI agenda as well.
1: Well, listen, Gerard, that's very well said. And, and I'm sorry I called you Gerald because it says Gerard on the screen, and I just assumed Charlie misspelled your name. <laughs> <laughs> you so, got it right. Thank you for calling, man. It's good to it's good to hear from you. Thanks very much. I got to let you go there because we're out of time, y'all. Uh, Tomorrow, we actually need to spend some time on this other fight that's happening in Washington that I haven't gotten to. Uh, There's about to be a massive explosion among conservatives on the Hill in Washington over the spending package. They've had meetings this afternoon. i have been getting text messages from members of Congress in this meeting. I've been trying to let it play out. I think they're still yelling at each other in there. But I'll bring you the latest on that tomorrow as, as conservatives and Republicans fight each other over how to proceed with the government spending package.